Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I am your host, Luke McLean. This is the show where I interview experts on all things mental health and well-being, from strategies you can learn like mindfulness, deep breathing and cold showers, to people with lived experience like myself who have lived with mental illness and or addiction and open up about their pain to share what has helped and hindered them to provide you with motivation and inspiration to live the best life you can. So let's take the power of our minds back and live a healthier and happier life. Now, today's guest is a multi-award winning educator and head of schools at Indie School Elizabeth and is the former senior leader of the alternative program at Salisbury's High School in Adelaide, South Australia. He's an extremely humble man, but a true leader. He is a husband and father, and as you will see from this interview, his passion to help students become the best version of themselves shines through. We discuss his approach to being an educator, which involves being more than just a teacher. We dive into mental health in schools and the importance of educators having skills to facilitate conversations with students, and also how, as a mentor, we can help students achieve more than just exam scores. Today's guest is Scott Dirichs, and we will jump right in after we thank today's sponsor. Is there something interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? For me personally, I battled a gambling addiction, depression and anxiety for many, many years, always trying to fix things myself and I didn't let anyone help me, which resulted in more pain and the cycle just continuously repeating itself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, and it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it is professional counselling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which is a great way to keep up with therapy while this coronavirus pandemic is around. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if need be. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a healthier, happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash mind over matter. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Mind Over Matter listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash mind over matter. Welcome to the show, mate. And I'm I'm looking forward to this. And I know that a lot of um, a lot of educators around the country, even around the world, uh, but also a lot of parents and students are going to be able to benefit from this conversation. So I appreciate you you coming on, and I'm really looking forward to to getting inside that big brain of yours, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. Setting the bar high. Setting the bar very high. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do here. Um, but I think the other the other benefit of this conversation is that there isn't any bullshit with it. I think, you know, you are a very straight shooter, mate. And, um, yeah, I'm very much 
yeah, very appreciative and, and thankful for you sharing your insights as well. So how are you as a, I guess, as a educator, well, not only an educator, but a, um, a husband and a father, how are you handling the current situation? Uh, yeah, look, pr- probably as a husband and a, and a father, it's probably been a bit more of a reality check than, uh, than anything, especially in the line of work. And the way that our school is running is, is seemingly different to the way that our kids' school is running. And um, I know we talked sort of off air just a moment ago, just in terms of the different things that we have coming through from the media and from the government and, and being able to really work out what is what is happening. Is, is, there a, is there a national consensus? Is there a state, even local area consensus? And um, probably like all other parents, we're, we're probably just tired of the bullshit, to be honest with you. And we've, we'd really like to just get that one message out to say this is what we're doing. Um, so I know that my kids are, are chomping at the bit to get back at school. Um, I know my wife is, is probably ready for them to pick this up and go back to school as well. Um, because, you know, I'm of the belief that if the kids are at school and they're, they're, um, they're doing home learning, that we don't do that regimented, you know, mock school learning. We, uh, we keep it more flexible and, and we've been trying to do that. But also in saying that the kids are, are wanting that continuity of structure and and everything like that as well so finding that sweet spot in the middle is very difficult and i can only imagine what you know the parents of our kids are doing at home at the moment especially while we're still developing a lot of these online resources yeah i mean it's it it does have that sense that we're just kind of winging it at the moment you know like my my girlfriend's six-year-old boy who's in year one um he's been at home now for what three or four weeks and it's kind of been like well how do we you know how do we continue to to teach you things do we just watch documentaries on netflix do we sit down and try and ask you questions like it's it's a bit like that and it's it's very difficult obviously um i guess from a from a parent's perspective to to know what to do i mean have you got any advice on on that or, or is there resources available for parents and students that that want to learn in the, in that flexible way look there are there are resources i know here in sa the um the education department have, have put out a, a bunch of different resources and there's different organizations um you know, I know the future schools alliance for example have, have sent out some for all of their membership schools and these are great and they're, they're really great resources. Um, there, there's no discounting that. I think the, the tricky part is that, you know, as, as parents, we're always told to limit screen time and now they're, they're excessively using and, and accessing that screen time as well. So to, to match that with other activities at home, um, you know, the, the we see is really important as parents but then in the education world, they're not necessarily given the same value a lot of the time. And I think that's, that's probably where the benefit comes from us uh, here in, in our team working with, with at-risk disengaged learners is that we see that real-world learning is something that is, is sometimes more essential as, as that, that academia. And so there's no surprises that somewhere like Woolworths are finding it really hard to, you know, to get their hands on cake mixes and stuff like that at the moment because parents are actually going, well, no, this is meaningful skill, this is meaningful stuff. 
and we've been saying that for years and it's just it's sort of welcoming for me to read those articles from their ceo to go you know finally someone's you know someone's actually realized what the hell we've been talking about for many many years and the actual act of doing that can be far more beneficial than a kid sitting there doing their online resources on the computer for seven plus hours a day, which in my mind is just bullshit. So tell us a bit more a bit about that program because, I mean, obviously I've been been out, and I was going to say down, but it's kind of up for my geography, but been out, up and out there a few times. I remember the first time I was sitting there having a conversation, I had a kid come up and ask if I would like him to make me a milkshake. I don't know if I said that right, but anyway, I had a milkshake made for me, <laughs> which is brilliant. You know, you don't get that at schools. So, I mean, obviously. No, no, no. And even this week, we've got kids coming out from home to uh, to make coffees and stuff like that when they arguably should be in lockdown. And, you know, we've, um, we make a really big point of, of, you know, having our kids obviously doing hands-on learning, but hands-on learning that translates into real life and also the workplace as well. So, um, so yeah, Barista is one area. We have a coffee cart here that we um, do some entrepreneurship activities with. All of our kids do work experience, uh, which is, you know, in the current climate, not possible. So we've, we've had to look at different ways around that and where we go to moving forward as well. But, um, yeah, real, real employment focused with a... Um, with a skills-based output. So you're you're actually teaching them skills that they can take straight away, essentially, and, and implement into a career or whatever, as opposed to sitting there and just learning the, the basic science, mathematics, um, and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I've been put on record now, I think, a few times saying that, you know, I was not going to wait for an education system to catch up to the needs for our kids. And... You know, my, my notion is somebody who's writing a curriculum document in Sydney does not know what our kids out here in the north of Adelaide need and what the immediate needs for those kids are. So, you know, I don't want to discount any curriculum areas, but the reality is that our kids don't necessarily need Pythagoras theorem right now, right at this very second. What they need is to sort their shit and actually, you know, get their life on track and, and know what they want to do. And later on, if I want to pick it up, then at least we've taught them the skills on how to learn and how to understand that stuff in their own time. And by, you know, by no stretch of the imagination am I a psychologist, but I would imagine, obviously, during the situation right now, there'd be so many people that have no idea how to hold a conversation with a child about what is going on. So naturally, what a lot of people do is just avoid the situation and oh like let's go and and draw this or let's go you know whatever it may be but it, it really avoids the situation where in a i guess in a different way what you're doing is is finding out what the kids issues or weakness or strength whatever it may be whatever they want to learn and you're kind of throwing that in there and going well let's teach you that and look that that scares the crap out of a lot of people luke as well is is you know giving the kids that that freedom and, and the strength to actually be able to, to centre a curriculum around them and around what they want to do and, and you know, really building off of that foundation of strength. Um, you know, it, it is a lot easier to teach from that curriculum document that says by year five they should be doing this and at this level. 
we all know it doesn't matter what classroom you're in that you're working with 30 different levels at different times you know if we're already working with 30 different levels why aren't we working on 30 different individuals yeah you know let's not treat them number treat them like the person that they are the individual that they are yeah absolutely look talking about i guess around the the social and 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 emotional and and mental health i guess how important do you think schools are for that component school connectedness is the most important thing um i mean there's there's studies previously that have that have shown that school connectedness sometimes has uh better links to positive mental health than what connectedness to parents does for example you know, we are arguably seeing kids for the second most amount of time other than parents and sometimes more so parents as well. So schools are at the forefront when it comes to mental health and supporting young people. And we also have the, the best access to resources in order to facilitate those conversations and the best outcomes for kids. And because I know that you've you've said previously um before that you think that there should be a national call for particular youth mental health first aid to be essential for all educators why do you feel like well why do you feel so strongly about that well like you said before i think having those conversations with young people about anything when it when it starts to get a little bit hairy um i think the, the natural reaction for a lot of people is to potentially run away or discount it or you know, focus on something else which is going to be light and airy and fluffy and really nice for the kids. Um, where mental health exists in every single class. The research shows us that, the data shows us that. When are we eventually going to wake up and actually go, well, if we don't have the trained people to support every kid in every class, then really schools may not be the best place to support these kids. And again, if we're, we're seeing them for the second most amount of time in their lives, then, you know, bloody hell, we, we need to step up and do something and do it right. So, um, so yeah, my big call is absolutely mental health, youth mental health first aid should be mandatory for all teaching education staff. Um, so then we're not just triaging, we're not just sending them through to a counsellor who is inundated. We can actually have those initial conversations in a constructive way before we, we go to the next step. From my understanding, it's mandatory to have a physical first aid accreditation to be an educator am i right in saying that yeah absolutely so so your your belief is that it should be key criteria a key well yeah key criteria for an educator that that's essentially going to be a major part of their role is to be able to to hold those conversations with children and to be able to to notice signs and symptoms um, within children at school yeah, definitely. Look, I, I know we've had this conversation before, um, but in reality, if I'm looking at myself as an educator for over 10 years and the amount of first aid that I've had to administer to a kid, as opposed to the amount of mental health conversations and mental health first aid that I've had to administer to a kid, uh, it, it's chalk and cheesy. The amount of mental health support that I give is, is huge. And I would argue that that would be the same for most teachers if they are willing or have the guts to have those conversations with kids as well and so if we're not undertaking that training how are we best prepared to help that young person move forward and and get them out of a crisis so um so yeah that that's where that that call to action really comes from um is just looking at the sheer weight of numbers that we do have you know we know that kids are going to have mental health issues more than what they are you know physical injuries that require first aid 
Well, I mean, you just think about the situation now, you know, on holidays currently as, as we're recording this, but, you know, with kids going back to school, their parents may be out of work, their parents may be stressed, their parents may be abusive, their parents may be, um, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on. They're coming to school. You're not sitting there looking for a spider bite. You know, you, you're, you're there and you can, you can dare and you can address it and you can actually help. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's a, a mass, massive passion of mine as well, but I can, can definitely understand that as an educator, that's what you're seeing every single day. Um, not just during COVID-19, but every single day you'd be able to pick up and, and see that if you're aware of what to look for. During, during this COVID-19 situation, you know, what can, what can and I guess should schools be doing to follow up on mental health, mental health? Because there's probably a lot of kids, and I don't know if you've noticed it where you are, but um, with parents just choosing to not send kids um, due to not wanting them to potentially... Um, you know, get the virus or, or whatever, but what can and should schools be doing to follow up on that, do you think? Yeah, look, that is a good question. And I suppose that's where the real difference comes from curriculum while we're still in this state of limbo um, and wellbeing. My position has been pretty strong that, you know, while we are sending resources and we've, we've got our academic stuff up online, um, you know, I believe the ministers come out and said that we don't necessarily need to be doing online learning until, um, you know, it comes into effect. However, the wellbeing side of things, the wellbeing structures that we've got around students, they need to continue no matter where the kids are. Um, and so one thing that our school and a lot of sites are doing is, is we are either remote calling, we're doing, um, like we are at the moment, we're doing Zoom meetings or something of those likes. Uh, making sure that we have some kind of contact with students so we know that they are safe and well. Through flexible learning here in the state, we need to do a face-to-face meeting. We don't have the luxury of doing that at the moment. Um, So providing that we, you know, do risk assessments and we can, you know, make sure that kids are in communal parts of um, of their home and that they're appropriately dressed and whatever else, then, then, you know, we, we can obviously do webcam chats with those kids just to make sure that, they're, they're not in immediate harm and they're, they're looking after themselves. What about staff though? Because obviously it's not just kids that are, that are affected. Is, I mean, obviously you, you've mentioned having these types of calls, but how important is it that, that staff are, or educators are really looking after themselves during these times as well? Yeah, the department are really good in the fact that we do have the employee assistance program. So we do have free counselling sessions for staff and immediate family, which is, which is great. I, I can't say to say if, if any staff here have necessarily used it, but just knowing that it is free and accessible would be great. It would actually be really interesting to see their numbers and if during this, uh, this little period, if, if there is a spike, um, which probably goes back to our previous conversation, if we're seeing a spike in mental health support required by staff, then, you know, you bet your bottom dollar that it's probably going to be more than that for students. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, everyone's kind of in the, in the same boat, I guess, with it. And we're, we're certainly not alone in, in feeling a little bit of the uncertainty and, and concern and all of that. But um, I guess it is about staying connected um, during that time, whether you are an educator or um, parent, student, being able to have that connective flow. Because, I mean, obviously you mentioned how important schools are um, for mental health in general, but even just that 
you know, with students missing seeing their friends and um, not being able to communicate as well. So being able to keep that connectedness, I would say, would be a really vital part of being able to stay mentally healthy during this period. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, mate, you're you are an award-winning educator. So you're you're a big deal. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> you are. You are. You are a, <laughs> you're an award-winning educator. You're you're you know obviously the stuff that we've touched on um, within the old um, alternative learning program is is very I'd say unique because it is a it's it's going against um, the the grain and it, it's doing things differently and you've had some clearly you've had amazing results within that with the success rates of students um, you know completing and and all that sort of stuff do you have sort of numbers handy on that because I don't my research wasn't good enough but do you do you have numbers of <laughs> from when you started I mean how how many did you have you had we. We, we, yeah, we started with 16 in 2014, uh, two staff members as well. Um, and we sit at the moment at around about 120 to 125. Um, and we now have 10 staff. But, um, yeah, a couple of those are, are going to be leaving along with myself very soon. But would you, would, would you think that, I mean, the students before coming into that, that setting, were they going to finish school? No, no, definitely not. The um, I, I recall some of our first um, first SACE completers were a uh, um, twin girls, and I believe that their year nine attendance was something like thirty one percent across year nine. Um, and we have a young man at the moment who is still with us, and in year eight he was absent for one hundred and nineteen days. Um, and then last year he was absent for one, for example, and is still engaged in learning on site and also some vet stuff through an automotive course. So, you know, I mean, obviously we use the best stats that we can think of come to mind, but, you know, you don't go from 16 to 125 without those numbers being replicated over and over. Yeah. Is that, like, is that right there? Is that what motivates you to do what you do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, on individual basis, because we know that the goalposts change for every kid, depending on what that kid needs. Um, but if we can look at almost any case and kind of go, we've seen an increase here, here, and here, then that's the thing that kind of, you know, gives you those goosebumps and makes you realise that what you're doing is actually making a bloody difference. If you're a year 12 student, what's going to motivate you to continue to learn? Or does that go? Uh, a lot of it comes from self-motivation, I suppose. I mean, there's, you know, while we can make daily phone calls, while we can put all the curriculum up and everything like that, you know, if um, especially if they are living in a, in a DV household or, you know, a household where parent or parents both have, you know, their own mental health issues, if they've been fired, that environment's not right around you. I mean, you you probably recall from a school where you had a really shitty learning environment in a classroom when you were at school. If you if you've replicated that shitty environment now at home, but then some with more emotional attachment, it's going to be awfully bloody hard for you to still maintain that that GPA to get you that ATAR at the end of the year. And you know, have tasks been modified and has been has marking been modified in order to compensate for that change and you know, th these are all questions which I still think are very much up in the air. So I don't agree with the position. Um, and I, th I think I've been relatively outspoken on that as well. 
And there is a petition which is going around at the moment that hashtag no ATAR 2020 by uh, Peter Hutton, which I 100% support. So back to back to you being a legend and being an, an award-winning educator. What what do you think about and, and don't be too hard on yourself, but what do you think about <laughs> about what you do works? Like obviously you've got the motivation there. What about you makes that style work? Um, look, it's it's really developed around relationships and we you know, teachers talk about that all the time and it's no surprise to anybody, but I, 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 I like to think that I don't bullshit. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty straight up with our kids and I think they respond really well to that. Um, there, there's a lot of parents who, who have now turned around and sort of said, you know, it's, it's been refreshing working with you because you don't have that teacher talk. Um, and I, I think that's, that's really good from the start that, you know, Kids can come in and actually realise that I'm a person first and teacher second. But my expectations don't change. So while while I believe in, you know, equity as opposed to equality when it comes to kids and, and you know, behaviour issues and, and work output and stuff like that, um, that the kids know what they're going to get every single day. Um, you know, I, I, my catchphrase here is I may be an arsehole, but I'm the same arsehole every day. You know, and uh, so so you will know when you walk into the class, when you walk into the centre, exactly what you're going to get. You know, if you if you fuck up, I'll, I'll, I'll be telling you that. Um, if you do a good job, I'll be telling you that as well. And if you need a hand, I'm here every single day and I will give you a hand with whatever you need. But, uh, you know, again, consistent approach every single time. And look, I, I just, I love our kids, mate. I, I, I love being around the kids. Um, you know, they, they do give as good as they get. And so um, I love a bit of friendly banter with our kids and it's it's phenomenal to see a lot of kids come out of their shells and, you know, some of the conversations that we have are just brilliant that, you know, I don't think in a traditional setting you have the ability to have some of these conversations if you're not working hard on it. Now I can see I can see personally from the smile on your face how much it does mean to you. Um, and I, I think it, it does take a special person in a sense to to be able to do what you do um, but I also think that it's probably just being more human than this is what you'd learn as a you know to become a teacher just be more human in a sense um, and I can I can see that from you and and also your team um, so it's a it's a yeah you should be proud well, I'm, I'm sure you are very proud of what you have done and I can I can see that it means a, a lot to you I was going to ask from a, I guess, from a personal perspective, because you probably are, you know, from the mental health side, but also because you are more emotionally involved, I would say, with the students as opposed to just here, learn this, learn that and, and shutting off from that. Because you are so emotionally involved and you're, you may be holding a lot more of these um, emotional conversations with students. What do you do personally to be able to recover from that so that you can front up and be consistent the next day? It's, uh, I think it's important to have good sounding boards. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a good sounding board at home, um, but also, you know, amongst team as well. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, what happens in the office stays in the office kind of thing. Um, so having, having that good humour basis is, is probably a, a really good thing and, 
um, not taking everything to heart is, is definitely important as well. You know, kids in times of crisis will say and do just about anything um, because that's the way that they need to react at that time. And if we're going to take every small thing that they do to heart, it's, it's going to break us. Uh, and similarly, you know, leaving our values at the door when we do hear about what they're putting up with at home and, and some of the terrible stories that we've heard over the years, um, you know, if, if we don't leave our values at the door, then, then that shit is going to eat us up when we go home. Um, and there are some nights which are harder than others. Um, but again, you know, having, having that good support at home and, and being able to actually verbalise the way that you're feeling about things and debriefing is, uh, is totally essential. So I feel for my wife sometimes, mate. I'll, I'll be very honest because the amount of shit that she cops when I come home some nights is, uh, is you know, I don't know how she does it. She's a strong woman. It's important to have good support around for sure. And, and look, I mean, that brings up the thing because you can be taking home stuff and, and she's your sounding board. But then, you know, what's stimulating her recovery? And, and, and that's what it really comes down to, I think, is, is being able to understand what does stimulate your recovery, what will, you know, get you to be able to, whether it's vent or de-stress or detox, whatever it may be, um, to be able to get back to your, your consistent, brilliant self, I guess. Yeah, and, fi- and also just finding finding healthy ways to do that as well, which I've not always been good at in the past, you know? So, um, you know, that that's definitely been a learning curve for probably the last sort of three to four years for me is, um, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm finding meaningful and healthy ways to, to get over that and not falling into sort of old destructive patterns, which is, which has been great, honestly. And that only comes through self-reflection and having conversations, you know, those, those conversations, man. Yeah conversations save lives they do um and and another thing i mean i don't know i can't remember how long ago it was now but um when i spoke to you and and you you'd had a mental health day you decided that you you know you needed a mental health day and i think um you know to be able to do that is is very important as well would you agree oh definitely absolutely it's essential for you to know yourself and in our line of work, if you're not bringing the best for the kids, then what the hell are you doing there? So, um, you know, probably more so in our space because the kids need 100% of you. And if you're only bringing 30, 40, 50%, then, um, then maybe you're your best to recharge and bring 100% the next day rather than coming back and only having 70 still on the tank. Now, I'm sure you, um, you're probably going to get a few educators that are that are going to want to get some advice or, or see the work that you're doing and, and that you're bringing. So what would be the best way for um, whether it's them or, or others to, to be able to connect with you and follow you? Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I, I love the LinkedIn platform. So um, that, that'd be the best way to, to get in contact. Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Well, look, thanks for sharing a, a lot of that insight and, and valuable tips because I think it is a, it is a pretty difficult time for for a lot of kids a lot of parents a lot of educators um so i think some of those um, tips are going to be extremely helpful so i think thank you very much for for sharing those with us today thanks Admiral. cheers massive thank you to scott for joining us on the show and just because the episode is over it doesn't mean you cannot continue your well-being journey You can get access to the One Commune Wellness Summit where you can discover practices for physical, spiritual and societal health. 
The Commune Summit is a free 10-day online event featuring 25 of the world's foremost experts on health and wellness. Just head to onecommune.com forward slash mind over matter. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To keep up to date with our show, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. But to get the new episodes that drop twice a week direct to your favorite podcast app, make sure you subscribe. And hey, if you love what you hear, please rate and review us. We would be so grateful. See you on the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and take the power back.